Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my brothers and sisters. I'm Jamel Zanishev. And I'm Mike Persign, and you're listening to Brew Strong. Nice job there. Today, we have a, a great guest in uh, Adam Mills, and uh, he is a brewer at... Sonder Brewing. Sonder Brewing, yes. Uh, he, I had that information. I wrote it down. <laughs> and then I neglected to have it in my collection of stuff in front of me for the show. But that's why, you know, you can tell I'm a professional. I've been doing this for uh, a long time. Uh, and Adam, you're you're doing uh, shows as well. You do. A, you have a YouTube channel that uh, you do, you've got, what, 400 uh, videos on there? A lot, of, Quite a lot of content. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making, uh, I have a channel called Adam makes beer over on YouTube. Uh, same thing over on Instagram, but, but really all, all my content goes up there and it's, it's anywhere from informational brew house, um, content, anything from how I break down clean fermenters, how I transfer beers, how I dry hop full brew days, um, mm -hmm. grain to glass stuff. Uh, and then including brewer interviews that I do and and some live stream Q&A stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Well, and I see you're also sponsored by Blickman Engineering. John Absolutely. Blickman, wonderful guy, just, uh, you know, salt of the earth. And really, you know, he believes in taking care of <laughs> my Michael's also got uh, some Blickman gear. Uh, you know, he believes in, uh, you know, giving back to the community, you know, that uh, he, he he works with. So whether that is. You know, the home brewer who's just starting out and wants some quality gear, you know, or the more advanced home brewer who's ready to get up to, you know, one of his uh, Blickman uh, towers or, uh, you know, somebody who's going to the pro pro level and, uh, you know, using one of his, you know, tall, tall boy, uh, you know, fermenters that'll fit through a 36 inch door and, you know, nest nice and tight up against the wall. Uh, you know, he's he's got the whole range covered and he loves to uh, support him by sponsoring shows. And, you know, that is money. That is cash that, you know, could go to his bottom line. He's using it to uh, provide you guys with uh, useful content to make you better brewers. So uh, don't take that lightly. If you if you have a chance, 
please, you know, send him a uh, email, uh, feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com and uh, tell John Blickman uh, how much you appreciate that he's sponsoring shows like ours and Adam's uh, to help you with, uh, you know, great content that will improve your brewing. So I think that's just a great, great thing that he does. And he's done it for us for, Jesus, 15, 16 <laughs> years, which is a lot of... Yeah, man. A lot of cheddar to 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 apply to uh uh you know uh stupid ramblings of uh of me and and uh other folks. So yeah, other folks aren't so stupid. Me, I'm stupid. <laughs> uh and today uh we're gonna talk about uh, thialized yeasts. Um so Adam, tell me, you know, what is uh, a thialized yeast? Yeah. And so, you know, really it's, it's, I think originally it's kind of this outcropping of, you know, how much fruit expression can we get into our beers, especially when we think about IPA, mm-hmm. but then on into other styles there, there's use case for this stuff as well. Essentially what thialized yeast does is it has uh, and a couple of different companies do it different ways. But essentially, they're modified yeasts that have the capacity to free bound thiols. And what that means is thiols are essentially sulfur compounds that um, are perceivable at uh, a, a very low level. It does not take a lot of them in order to express in the beer. And they can come from malt. They can come from hops. They can come from other adjuncts. And what these yeasts do is, is they free them, unlock them and then make them expressive in the finished beer. Now, by unlock, uh, Michael, you know, you're a chemist. Tell me what he means by unlocking the, the thiols. What, how, what, what's happening there? Yeah, so um, in their current state, as they're, you know, before they're acted on by the, the enzyme, they're bound to larger molecules, either like S-cysteine or at the, it's a glutathione or something like that. And so they're, they're not able to be tasted. And by using these enzymes that are expressed through the yeast, they actually attack that sulfur carbonyl bond and separate right there at that, that bond. And then now um, you've basically have your cysteine go this way and your thiol compound go this way. And now that thiol compound can be. It's able to interact with the, 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 the taste receptors, mm-hmm. or the, the uh, aroma receptors right. in our, in our, in our heads. Yeah. Like you guys are saying it, it's a really low taste threshold. We're talking um, nanograms per liter, which is very, very, very tiny. Right. But <laughs> everybody wants more. I mean, the, the thing I keep telling people in brewing is the customer wants the the fruitiest possible IPA you can produce. <laughs> and the only reason that they're really a lot of times looking at IPA is because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the, the, uh, you know, grapefruit and, uh, you know, mango and things like that. And it's, uh, you know, really delicious, of course, but, you know, the customer wants as much as possible. So, uh, Adam, you're telling me this is a, a yeast that will get me more of that. What what kind of flavors are we really talking about? You know, it can be a range. And what I find most commonly is is explicitly passion fruit. Um, but they'll also say, say, guava, uh, other tropical type notes, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I with the way I've been treating it, I, I 
it leans very heavily in the passion fruit direction. Nice. Uh, passion fruit is a, a great flavor to have in. Sure. Yeah. If, if I could throw a couple more in there, uh, there's also, you know, grapefruit, gooseberry, guava. And then even there's certain dials that express themselves in like a black currant or even come across caddy mm-hmm. has been really, you know, so there's all kinds of them in there. <laughs> but the ones we want are the passion fruit ones. Well, and, and mainly we've we've been using hops to to get this, especially you know a lot of the southern hemisphere hops uh, we're, we're using at you know twenty five dollars a pound, you know crazy <laughs> crazy prices like that, uh, or using actual passion fruit or you know black currants or whatever uh, in order in order to get that. Um, the Interesting thing for me, you mentioned, Adam, was that styles actually are in malt as well. Yeah. And this seems to be, well, first of all, this whole thing is emerging. All right. Like what, what we're understanding about this is emerging stuff. And, and if you've not checked out any content that Dr. Laura Burns from Omega has done on this, I know She's on several podcasts discussing this. Uh, there's different articles online. Of course, you can go to the websites as well to dig in on this stuff. But um, and Dr. Burns will will suggest that you try a lot of different base malts. And and for some reason, she also talks about trying uh, local varietals as well. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it's kind of a nod to the fact that they don't seem to give too much information as to as to why, other than the fact that there may be just more bound precursor um, mm-hmm. in, in, in various varietals, how they're handled, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that's that's one of the, the interesting tweaks with this. And ultimately, it comes into something that we'll probably talk about later as a way that you can help to dial this up and down the intensity of this mm-hmm. thiol expression. You can do that with your base malt and blending in some adjuncts, some different things like that. So yeah, the, the, the malt aspect of it is, is, is interesting. I think malt in a way it gets, uh, you know, kind of, well, no, I don't think it gets really yeast always got kind of pushed to the background. Sure. You know, people focused on malt and water and they didn't really care too much about yeast, but I think now more focus is, is available on yeast and more focus is on water. And I think malt's kind of sliding into the background. Oh, and, and hops were always at the top. But, uh, you know, malt, where it's grown, uh, you know, determines what kind of minerals are in the malt uh, that are useful for fermentation. But also, you know, a lot of other compounds and how they're grown, how much sun it got, you know, the the wind, the rain, the, you know, the, the air around it all affects what is in that malt. And so where it was grown and, you know, how it was malted uh, will really make a big, big difference in, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, the compounds that are in the mash or in the wort, uh, you know, later on. Now, my understanding, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but my understanding is that you want to use the palest malt uh, for more, you know, uh, thiol expression. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I, I've heard some stuff in, in that direction as well with it. Um, and so, you know, leaning more into your pills, malts, um, different things like that. And, and and again, even with your pills, malts, ma- make sure to be checking your spec sheets 
And if you if you do want to chase it along that line, make sure that you're getting as low color as you can. If, if that's something that you're interested in trying out. Okay. Oh, um, if I could throw in one other thing, there was a lot of talk that I've heard also about nitrogen. So mm-hmm. maybe trying to find malts that are low in fan mm-hmm. or are you're not adding any DAP. You know, you're trying to really interesting. All right. I've heard a lot of these lices are I'll, yeah. I'll I let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, I want to hear more about why uh free amino nitrogen is a problem for the thialized yeast or not a problem, but you know, it's something that controls is is one of the dials for controlling the thials you get out of a thialized yeast. We'll be back right after this. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, talking with Adam Mills uh, about uh, thialized yeast. The 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 question that uh, Michael brought up was, uh, or the. Uh, the point that Michael brought up was that you've heard that the amount of uh, nitrogen in the wort will have an effect on the ability of the uh, yeast to free up the the thiols from uh, the malt. Tell me about it. Well, so, I mean, I've actually heard a good talk from, yeah, Laura Burns, and uh, she talks a lot about like there's they've they don't really necessarily have a lot of. You know, there's a lot of things left to, yet to be determined on the mechanisms, but they have noticed that when you have higher concentrations of nitrogen, you do get a pretty good inhibition of that that bound thiol release mechanism or, or a reaction. So they they recommended, um, and then even in the new IPA, he mentions that with um, adding diammonium phosphate, you end up with uh, creating. You, you, they ended up seeing less uh, free thiols in the finished beer because. Mm. And they only uh, surmise that there's a nitrogen concentration that's inhibiting the reaction. And I, I would wonder, is it because, you know, the the more free amino nitrogen you have in your wort, 
um, you know, the yeast will just focus on taking that up. And, uh, you know, you'll, you can get, you know, uh, that affects fermentation considerably. If you add, uh, you know, a bunch of extra nutrient to a, to an all malt wort, you're going to get, you know, a hot fermentation where, you know, you produce all these high, hot, high alcohols or hot alcohols. So, um, yeah, I, I imagine maybe the yeast are, I would think it might come down to like a selectivity thing, like you said, where they might be producing this beta lice to cleave bound thiol so they can use the cysteine and they want that that little bit of protein that contains nitrogen and, and stuff so if they don't need it then maybe they're not producing any mechan you know enzymes for it so you get less mm -hmm. i can see that all right interesting adam have you uh, and michael have you experimented with thiolized yeast and uh you know different uh base malts or different hops or yeah i've been i've been playing with them uh for a, a little bit since really since the beginning of the year and we ended up running them as the the base strain for a packaged ipa that we were putting out on store shelves and it's a it's an interesting thing i i haven't tweaked too much around with the uh with the base malt stuff i i do have an industry friend of mine chris schneff up at storm cloud brewing in michigan has, has ran uh a, quite a bit of trials just just testing out base malt so essentially taking a a blonde ale a 20 ibu blonde ale and different different malts fermenting them out you know five percent beer uh with i believe he was running heliogazer at them mm -hmm. um which is a little one of the more expressive if you were to compare it to like uh like a star party or uh cosmic punch from Omega, the uh, Heliogazer is kind of those yeast on on steroids when when it comes to unlocking uh, thiols, and and he was saying there is he, he was saying that it's, it's definitely worth it. I, I don't have a like a real pilot system at at the place that I was brewing at at the time, and, and that's one of the times where it'd be really nice to have that you know one barrel system to where you can you to where you can turn out some different things, but. He was really suggesting to to chase that and and see what you can because he did find uh, definitely differences between those beers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michael, have you have you experimented with the thialized yeasts at all? Yeah, so I've been pretty heavy on the tropicale yeast from White Labs. I had kind of a running hypothesis that non-GMO yeasts that express these molecules naturally might produce a more well-rounded, natural-tasting flavor. So I've been really mm. Mm -hmm. Going for that, I worry that you know some of these adjuncts and and GMO products might might produce almost a, an artificial or too too um the concentration gets high enough where it's almost a um like I know with four MMP if you get too high it can get real catty or you know I can only imagine like three MHA you get you can start getting like just over the top kind of cloyingly tropical probably so I've been trying to keep the balance and and then I've been trying it with different hops definitely like you know the the big name hops, but then also I'm I'm really going to get into those uh, cheaper hops that are known for bound thiol content and try to unlock some of that with my next like using beer. using those on the mash side. Maybe are you thinking or or yeah, still like you, light boil? Yeah, you might have heard the same stuff from Laura as well about mash mash hopping, and yeah. I'm I'm jumping in. Yeah, actually, I've got this crazy idea. My my mother lives down the road, and she's got a big Cascade vine, so I'm thinking. I'm going to pick fresh cascade and throw it in the mash. See what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Try to push some 
for my it's a hazy double I'm going to do. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's an interesting hypothesis too, though thinking about how how that expression might come off between the 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 GMO and non GMO uh, approaches with that yeast. You know, I haven't done a lot of thialized yeast uh, fermentation, but uh, what I've done with the GMO uh, versions, it's it's different. I'll I'll say, you know, it's 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 it won't say it's unnatural, but I I have not tasted, you know, when I taste those beers, I'm just like, what hop combination made this? And I, Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what it is. Um, you know, it's, it seems a, a little odd in that way. So it's interesting, Michael, that, that you, you were saying that. And I tried to get out of, uh, Chris White, the actual blend of, of yeast that are in that Travic ale, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, nothing. well, uh, Travis <laughs> was asking if, if it's got Belgian yeast in it and I don't think it does. I, I you know, I think he was saying no, but then he was just like, oh, I got to look it up. And then oh, we got yeah. talking about something else, so he didn't look it up. But uh-huh. uh, <laughs> you know, my question, uh, you know, I was I was only going to reveal if it had Belgian yeast in it or not. That's okay, all. I gotta I gotta keep secrets. Uh, you know, Chris White, if, if don't want to be. I mean, there's all sorts of secrets. You know, that I gotta keep. <laughs> yeah, just imagine well, what these guys are doing. Well, into into what you're saying, Jamil, do do you find that that passion fruit note? It, sometimes I find it very like like very flat like like it's i i don't know like it's uh because when you're saying that it's weird yeah like uh, maybe there maybe there's a lack of layer to that thiol expression sometime is is that kind of what you're saying maybe but i think it's also um you know acid uh related because if you add passion fruit to to a beer you know once that uh the sugars the fructose that's, that's in there ferments out you get, you know, it's a bit of a tart uh, fruit, the passion fruit. It's, it's got quite a bit of acid. And I think that that may be missing in some of that. So maybe, uh, you know, you need to adjust the pH on a beer you might be doing or something mm-hmm. like that to get a more natural expression. Or maybe it's missing the top note. I don't know. I do know that I think or I do. <laughs> I do believe that the actual fruit, if you're trying to get passion fruit notes, the best way of getting them is sure. to add passion fruit. Yes. Um, yes. Well, what do you know? Right. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you're adding hops to get passion fruit, there's there are hops with with quite a bit of passion fruit character to them, but they're not passion fruit either. Sure. But they sure. have a taste and an aroma that we are familiar with now after years of brewing, trying to get passion fruit in in beers uh, using hops and the stylized yeast that what it's producing is is i don't think any of the the uh producers of of these yeasts are saying oh this is passion fruit they're saying it's passion fruit like notes they're they're, they're just trying to describe it and so it has a different character it's got other layers in it that are not the same as adding passion fruit or using these passion fruit hops Mm -hmm. um so I think that's what we're experiencing and and we just need to decide, you know, how much we like it or not. Sure. <laughs> you know, sure. what levels to use it. So it's it's quite an interesting area of of exploration. Have either of you um done anything to try and regulate the level of 
these these thiol precursors and and the amount of thiols in there in in the finished beer? Yeah, you, you know, there's a there's a few ways you can do it, and and we kind of hinted at one earlier, and it and it's interesting because I I know some people are using these thialized strains in in, in hazy type builds uh, for you know for for hazy beers, and there's some things about the the kind of standard build for for hazy IPA, and 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 maybe I'm maybe I'm talking a bit too broadly, but you know a, a lot of hazy IPAs are going to have you know, anywhere from 15 to 25% or more of, you know, a flaked product, a, a, a white wheat, something like that, or a, a malted wheat. And when you're introducing those adjuncts into those, into those beers, they don't have a precursor in the same way that base malt mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of that somewhat traditional, we'll say traditional for something that's pretty recent, but some of those, that, that classic type hazy grist bill, um, mm-hmm. If you are going that direction, it, it is going to be dialing down uh, at least the malt contribution of of thiol precursor. You know, um, that's one way um, so for sure. The thiol precursors are mainly in the husk of the grain. Is that where that, they're coming from? That, that's a that's a really good question. I don't know if it's related to husk, but that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? As far as I know, it has to do with the proteins in the malt. And I don't know if that's in like the acro spot. I mean, I could get all on the anatomy of a malt grain, but as far as I understand, it's a part of those large chain proteins that, you know, these styles get somehow bound into. Well, a, a lot of these wheats have higher protein levels than, uh, you know, your, your regular base grains. What they're missing is husk. Sure. Yeah. Through that. So I know, you know, a lot of the tannins, uh, in, in malt is coming from the husk and that's where, you know, uh, why you get a bit of methanol in, in your fermentations is because of the husk of the, of the, the barley malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's essentially like wood. And, uh, sure. so you get, you get some flavors from that. I, I think that's one of the things It's very interesting that you brought that up, Adam, about, about wheat kind of diluting down some of the things I think people don't give enough thought to what the husk of the barley gives to to the to the beer and flavor there is some flavor contribution to that most people look at it as just essentially you know filtration bed Mm -hmm. um you know i I think that's uh that's fascinating as well i think there's a whole there's a whole slew of uh things to explore that way sure what other ways of adjusting you know you mentioned mash hopping certain types of hops have more uh precursors than others what are yeah, what, what hops I are mean, those that's what it seems i mean uh, just kind of off the top some some hops that you wouldn't necessarily think are going to be bringing some of these tropical flavors um things like saws hollertau uh cascade uh tends Middle to fruit. be that Fiddle fruit, yeah. There's there's some in that range. I think maybe maybe calypso is on that list too. It is. That's one. That's one where they seem like you can get those into the mash, um, and then and then rely on carrying that, uh, having that carry over into into your into your finished beer. It was one of the ideas I was considering running Heliogazer as this as this base strain for for this production IPA that I was going to do. And so I had thought about, you know, well, maybe if I could do like a 
like a small blonde or wheat beer as a yeast grower for this. Um, so it would be easier if you're going to be doing a later fermentation hop, something like that. So it would be a way of keeping keeping the the, the beer around. So utilizing that mash hop beer just as kind of an, an easy session beer uh, for, for, for the tap room, but then really using it as a yeast grower to have consistently fresh pitch, pitches of yeast for something that you would be doing maybe on the hazy side. Now, what yeasts are available um, for the home brewer? Are they all available for home brewers and pro brewers? Are there any that are pro brewer only? That's a good question. I know the Omega stuff seems to be available to everybody. Is is the Berkeley stuff as well? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think no. they sell. No. Okay. And I think BSI might have some as well, but I, I don't know if they're available to uh, to, to to folks on the homebrew side. I didn't realize that uh, White Labs was doing or or had a a, a thiol blend um, that they were making as well. That that's interesting, and that's not on the genetically modified side, right? So, yeah, yeah, and I know there's also Omega only uses cisgenic modifications where they're only trying to get that expression like from a yeast to another yeast versus I th- I don't know if that helio right. or they're, stuff uses they're using uh, transgenic modifications so. Using CRISPR to yeah take you know um, genes that, from IRC seven or something with that I think into, that's what they're put messing them into with another yeast. Uh, Berkeley, I know, has been using uh, genes from actual fruit. Mm. Uh, like you know, if they wow. if they want blackberry character, they go to a, a blackberry plant and they take really they take the the genes from the the plants and 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 use that. I, I I'm pretty sure that's correct. <laughs> Don't don't uh, you know? Don't sue me over it if if I'm wrong. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that's the case uh, in their modification. And then, uh, like Michael's saying, uh, White Labs has their Tropicale uh, is not genetically modified because genetically modified yeast uh, is an issue for you know, especially like our friends in England. Uh, they're not they're not allowed to use that. I mean, home brewers could, but uh, you know, commercial brewers can't because you know people have their their concerns. It, doesn't bother me at all, but um, I, I understand if people are, you know, reticent to, uh, to, to, you know, ingest something that was genetically modified, but, you know, uh, doesn't bother yeah. me. Yeah, like <laughs> I said, the my, things I'll consume, you know. Yeah, my, all my considerations are flavor based. So, yeah, I could I'm looking for the best flavor. I don't, I don't right. care if it's GMO or not. Yeah, if a turd <laughs> tasted good, you'd, you'd be camping turd. GMO or not. On that note, why don't we take another short break? <laughs> why, this, this is the kind of content that Blickman is happy to sponsor. <laughs> we'll be back right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. 
This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're we're having a good time talking uh, about uh, uh, thiolized yeast. So yeast that will uh, essentially break off these tasty little pieces of of uh, proteins or whatever it is in in in, in malt and in hops and and uh, produce a more fruit forward beer for you. And uh, uh, we're talking about how Omega has some, BSI, I guess, has some. Um, uh, White Labs has has their their thiolized blend. Tell me, tell me more. What's what's the you know what's the best beer style for for this uh, this technology or this this product sure. or this technique? Sure, and you you know I I think with a lot of times sometimes you know we we have various products hit the market. And I think ever since, you know, I mean, probably originally, you know, Simcoe was one of the ones that made that splash once Vinny popularized that hop. And then there's Citrum Mosaic. And, it, you know, and people have really been been looking for that next big thing. And, you know, I, I think Phantasm hit, which mm-hmm. which leads into this. And that's something that we can talk about in a little bit. But, you know, I everybody is always looking to make the most aggressive version of these as you can. And I understand wanting to do that from understanding the ceiling of what these things do. But I think ultimately it's, it's more about understanding, you know, maybe how to fold this in, in an enjoyable way, right? Like, can we drive nuance, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than maybe blowing the top off that, that might be the best use for some of this stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think it's it, your gut can tell you, hey, yeah, let, let's let's take it to IPA. And there's definitely things that you can do with this strain, with those adjuncts to fold some nuance or, or even step into the forefront with those beers. But I think there's a lot of other beers that you can create interesting things with. I think it would be interesting to play with these yeasts and actually making fruit beers. So beers where you are both using real fruit and uh, some of this thialized capacity, right? Um, so if you're looking to make something, you know, tropical, you can you can run with passion fruit, or maybe you can get a blend of different things. Because we are saying guava, passion fruit, grapefruit. If, if you're looking for a little bit of a medley with something like that, I, I think that works great. If you want to go non-traditional and, you know, maybe some of our style guys would be really uncomfortable with it, but I, I think it might be interesting to try to fold into low levels of some, maybe some yeast forward beers that don't typically feature that uh, flavor profile for, you know, for instance, you know, a, a Belgian golden strong can kind of have a white fruit component to it, whether that mm-hmm. be pear, you know, flesh of apple, things like that, you know, m- maybe pushing a little bit of thiol character into that may be interesting, you know, um, and, and that's one of the things you can do too. Um, I have friends that actually work with blends of this yeast. So they'll mm-hmm. use a, a base yeast. Um, they work with Omega and they get certain percentages, you know, added. And that's one of the ways that they're dialing up and down that intensity, right? But I do think it's important to kind of maybe step out of the IPA, the hop forward type, look at something like this, and then see what are the other interesting beer styles that we can create some nuance with, with a product like that. And Michael, what, have you been mainly uh, producing hazy IPA using thialized yeast or anything else? Uh, 
For me, I've only been using it for my hazy so far, but I actually, in in kind of my prep for the show today, I, I really heard some really interesting ideas about using these for, you know, um, the New Zealand Pilsner and like kind of pushing a little more fruit character, but, you know, so you do a little mash hopping or, or I've heard of like, you know, blonde ales where they're, they're doing a little bit of uh, the stylized yeast, you know, and, and like you said, kind of dialing it in, not going to the ceiling and, and really trying to develop nuance and balance, but kind of like some of these beers, like you said, the style people might get a little bit sweaty on the brow but you can do pretty much anything you want to add a little bit of that kind of fruity flavor, or even if you're kind of going more for that black current, you, it's all in your hop selection and, and then your process mm-hmm. to try to push either one. And you can, with these stylized yeast, push it a little further and, and make it present in beers that you wouldn't expect, which I think is really cool. And, and I'm already got the gears turning on, on like yeah. a, a New Zealand pills or, or, or some sort of uh blonde. <laughs> well, and, and you can really look at it in the same way, like, you know, b- before we did all this stuff with, with, with yeast like this, it's like, you know, th- there'd be times where, you know, we could decide, okay, do we want a neutral American ale strain or do we want something a little bit more expressive on the British side? Right. And it, you could almost dial it into a thought process like that. Like it's not going to be in the forefront of the beer, but what if you leverage these yeasts to almost play like the, the ester type role in a beer, right? Like Definitely. something that's more subtle, something dialed down, but, you know, something that's still there, right? And just, you know, create creating layers. Definitely. Interesting. So uh, let's say somebody's uh, just starting out with dialyzed yeast. Um, you guys, you know, what would, you know, your your average homebrewer wants to get into dialyzed yeast? What what strain should they first start with and what kind of uh what kind of recipe you know should they put together yeah yeah i I mean it kind of depends on what you're looking to do if you're looking to you know actually like hey let's find out what this is and let's look for the ceiling on this right let's try to blow the top off with that you know look at something look at something hop forward you know you can you can put it into that style um, I, I would recommend if you are trying to push the upper limits on this, and this is a way you can dial that expression up and down. One of the ways that you can push back thiol expression is by getting too much green matter uh, into the beer. Um, this is one of the reasons why uh, you see a suggestion of maybe using, you know, mash hopping, things like that. But from what it looks like is the more green matter is in contact uh, with these beers, the more it tends to whether it's going to be some sloppy uh, science terminology here, but wh- whether it pulls them out or suppresses them. Um, but that is that that is one of the things. So leaning on an advanced hot product, uh, a cryo might be a way to try to maximize those things because you're removing green matter from the equation. So if you are looking at, you know, trying to blow the top off in that way, chase something like that. Um, but if you're looking for maybe just straight line, almost making a beer for for purely for a scientific sake to figure out what's actually happening, maybe it is better to pull it pull it back to uh, a blonde type beer, right? And try out the mash hopping, and even pair in some of those some of those hot products later. Um, you know what I mean? That may have less less green matter uh, in, in play. So there, there's a few different ways that you could take it. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
I, I guess for me, I always recommend when people are trying this out, use it in a recipe you've made several times and try mm-hmm. to yeah. get a sensory of like, okay, I like this beer. I've always liked this beer. I've made it for years. Like my friend, Kevin, uh, he makes this killer hazy and he's always used Boddington's or juice, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I had him try the Tropicale and, and, you know, these, these beers couldn't be, you know, they were very different. And so it was really cool to see that and, kind of trying that out i thought was a really cool way to experiment with these yeasts is to go with something you've already done and really see how it changes have you seen that you need to pull back dry hop levels on those beers um have you played with that at all so you said kind of taking a a standard a standard hazy uh, a standard hazy recipe one that you know and typically those are going to be pretty aggressively dry hopped um i found it interesting that by pulling back the dry hop uh, in the IPA that that I was making for store shelf, that that was when the the passion fruit character really started to step forward. I was almost over dry hopping for if the goal is thiol expression. Have, have you found that at all? Have you played with that at all? I have not yet, but that's definitely a good point about the green matter. I've 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 seen that in several articles about there's some sort of mechanism pulling that out. Yeah, um, yeah. but I. I will say though, for for us and, and our experiences where we'd make a hazy with Boddington's and then go to the thyle, you kind of just they're they're almost just as fruity, but they're little they're a lot less the grapefruit. They're a lot less citrus, and they they do become more of that guava passion fruit mm-hmm. kind of almost. They almost have kind of a a more tropical, almost a sweeter body to them mm-hmm. than kind of that mm-hmm. tart um, grapefruit or kind of orange or something, you know? So it's, it's, sure. it's really interesting to see that this change, but I definitely, as I get more into these and I use it more often, I, I kind of dabble back and forth between my crazy experiments and then trying to make a classic style. Like I just sure. made a Meritzen and I tried to do it like Reinheit's Kaboot pretty much and see if I can't sure. hit that. So I go back and forth, but yeah, I definitely want to try that. So. Sure. Are there other tips or tricks for, for people that are, you know, starting out with this kind of yeast? You know, I would also something that we haven't talked too much about just yet is uh, we, we haven't talked really about some of the, you know, non-traditional adjunct uh, as far as something like uh, Phantasm goes, um, essentially uh, grape skins. And are, are these, these are derived from uh, New Zealand, if I'm correct. Is that is that the, the, the base source for Phantasm? Yes, I believe it's a, a product because, again, those 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 wines that were made down there became super synonymous with their tropical characteristics. So then it was almost like they decided to take that next step. Sure. Yeah. And so, you you know, you you can, you can fold that in. I know Berkeley, um, if uh, I'm not sure if it's available on the home side, but I know on the pro side, they have like a, a thiol boost liquid that you can add that, which is essentially liquid phantasm, but it is, uh, it has measured amounts of uh, precursor. And so that's some stuff that you can play with, but, you know, big picture, almost every element that you can think of will, will play into how, how these styles are going to be expressing um, everything from fermentation temperature, from, from what I understand, you know, if you're looking to push up on the high side, maybe fermenting a little bit on the cooler side may help you retain some of those styles. Maybe if you're ramping that temp up to the higher end of the spectrum, you might be, you know, essentially blowing off uh, some of those notes. Um, 
so yeah, there's it, it. It's one of those things where if if you are looking for fruit forward beers, it, it is one of those where you, you just got to give it a shot and and maybe go with what Michael was talking about. Take that IPA recipe that you like, um, and then and then fold that yeast in and and, and see what it does for it because it, it is an interesting thing. Paul had sent in via email, and I'll tell you if if you guys have um, questions for Bruce Strong. Uh, you can send them in to Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And uh, we're getting to all the, the new ones that come in. We're getting to them really quick. <laughs> um, and we're still mixing in, you know, a lot of the, the, the ones from a decade ago. So don't worry, we'll get to every question. <laughs> but we are getting to the, the new ones quicker is uh, one of my, my focuses now. But uh, Paul had uh, written in not long ago, literally his, the title of his, uh, uh, email was 2023 IPA advice. But uh, one of the, the questions he had was, you know, uh, thiol yeasts and phantasm versus kvike or traditional yeasts. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's interesting because we kind of touched on, you know, before when we are talking about, you know, what what people think are going to be the next big thing um, in in on the brewing side. And, and there is that time period with Kvike. And, and, and I think Kvike is great. There is a brewery that I worked at that was, uh, we'll, we'll say, very rustic. And I turned probably about 150 batches with various strains of Kvike. And, and, and it definitely has, it, it has its use cases and whatnot. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I would tend to lean toward, I, I, think, you're, I think you can achieve um, potentially more interesting things, maybe. Um, with, with the heal, with the thialized side of things and, and, and incorporating some things like phantasm and what we've talked about before, various approaches as far as the hops, advanced hop products, cryo hops. Um, I just feel like it's more expressive, um, than maybe, uh, than maybe what you get out of the Kvike side of things. Again, maybe it won't be your thing going full bore with it. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's more different than the Kvike approaches, but that's just my take. Yeah. My take is I love how many options we're getting. And it's kind of as a craft brewer, you have all of these tools in your tool bag now, and you can, depending on what you're going for, like I make a, uh, it's a smash uh, hazy pale ale, but I use Voss at Kvike. And then with the Lotus hops, I don't know if there's just a synergy there. I don't go crazy with the temperature. I'm around 80. So it's sure. not this funky Kvike beer. It's kind of got a nice, real good, nice orange citrus note to it. And, you know, those are things you can play with. And then I kind of also see the future going forward is I think blending of yeast and looking for expressions that don't, you can't get with single yeast fermentations. Like, like you said, going 30% thiol and then maybe 10% Kvike and, and then mixing in some Boddingtons or even trying some other strains and and really making your own blend and, and becoming kind of that mad scientist. And well, that, that's just, actually what my yeah. buddy's been playing with. He's been playing with specifically uh, blends of, um, I believe, Cosmic Punch and Voss uh, or, yeah. you, you know, the, the Voss yeah. Kvike. You know what I mean? And, and And using that as a way to dial that up and down, too. Yeah, I think. I think yeast blending is a is, is a great approach. So I don't think it necessarily has to be either or, um, right. because I think you bring up I think you bring up a good point. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of room to to play right there. Yeah, yeast 
you know, yeast blends are really becoming uh, more and more of a thing now. I mean, there was a time where, you know, nobody wanted to blend yeast. It was all about pure culture, pure strain, one, one yeast, that was it. You never had anything else. And now, you know, that's something of real interest to, to modern brewers is, you know, blending yeasts. So uh, quite fascinating. Uh, we got uh, some questions coming in from the chat. Uh, one of the things, if you're listening live, you can, uh, you know, on Facebook, you click on the uh, comment section, uh, comment uh, link there below the video, and it will pop up a comments page there where you can uh, ask your questions live and we will get to them on the air. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will have a couple of questions from the chat right after this. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking thialized yeast and uh, having a lot of fun here. Uh, Simon from uh, Italy, uh, he is a professional brewery and he, is, uh, he wants to get into thial beer soon. Uh, but in the EU, uh, this kind of yeasts are forbidden. Uh, I think that's why we mentioned the uh, White Labs uh, uh, Tropical yeast is something that is not forbidden because it's not uh, genetically modified. So um, I would suggest, you know, trying that yeast for sure. He said uh, he wants to go uh, obviously hazy and the uh, which is the most aromatic potential style. Uh, hazy base of malts and flakes, mash hopping with potential hops like saws, uh, then going for shorter boil, same proteins, um, and uh, phantasm for the whirlpool. He his comment is uh, thiols should just boost up tropical notes and not overdo thiols and get some unpleasant notes uh, if you overdo it. Uh, what's what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so, you, you know, and, and he was naming, uh, you know, all all the big ways to really, you know, hit the top end. You know what I mean? He's looking at getting, you know, precursor in the mash, uh, precursor in Whirlpool with Phantasm, different things like that. So, yeah, if, if you are looking to, to, to moderate uh, to, to moderate that impression a little bit, you definitely don't want to be throwing the kitchen sink at it. You know what I mean? Because. You may, maybe you will get that note that that's just too much for you with what you want to be doing. Well, and, and some of the there's some yeast out there that they they do this releasing of files. Isn't that right, Michael? They're, they're Yeah, there's plenty you know. of strains that have free thiol content. I mean, those are more your big name, big expensive per pound strains like Citra, Mosaic. Oh, I mean, uh, yeasts, yeast, oh, that, yeast. Uh, that that actually unlock thiols from wherever they're bound. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there are natural strains. Um, I know on White Labs, they have a big write-up about their tropical yeast, and they actually have their assay chart with the different strains and their relative thialization. And you can go check it out. Um, there's some pretty interesting ones on there that are higher, lower, less, more. You can you can make your own tropical blend. I mean, mm -hmm. I think what they do is they probably targeted it and then tried to get the right flavor for you so you weren't using a lot of like YPL 300 and ending up with a banana bomb. 
<laughs> on sure. top of your sure. your thio bomb. <laughs> so sure. yeah, there's there's some now some interesting I imagine ones out there. It's also possible that you know certain yeasts in a blend, since we're talking about blending yeast, um, actually uh, work in concert and maybe do a better job of unlocking thiols than individual strains by themselves. Is that a possibility? Uh, from what I understand, the thiolization happens intracellularly, so I don't know that they would have much interaction with each other in terms of the different strains, like, and then affecting their own biochemistry. Maybe on a test where biology is wild, man, you don't really know. The only thing to do would be to try it and just, yeah. I think at our level, at least to try it and see where you end up. <laughs> That's one of the, the beauties of being a home brewer is it's, yep. it's not that expensive to try and, uh, <laughs> You can have a lot of fun with it. Also in the chat, uh, one more question. Eric, he asks, uh, I heard that if you're using thiol yeast, you should back off on dry hopping. Is that true? Yeah, it, it's really something I found. Um, I, I ended up I, I ended up pulling a, a dry hop. I, I had a standard, you know, house hazy that I was doing for some time. And uh, that was receiving about four pounds per barrel dry hop. And, and when I when I use helio gazer with it the the thiol expression was there but it was definitely it was definitely in the background it was still very much a hop forward beer as far as mm. the expression rather than thiol forward um and then when i when i made a different hazy but still a very similar build and i pulled back green matter on it one because it was just less hops overall um i pulled that beer back to about one and a half pounds per barrel in dry hop and that's when the thiol character really jumped um, mm. in, in, in the beer. Mm. Um, now, part of that could also be the fact that maybe there was not the overall hop intensity competing mm -hmm. uh, with, with the thiol character as well. Um, but I have seen that and I've seen that and I've seen that suggestion uh, be offered by, by Dr. Burns and some others that maybe look at dialing that total volume down. Uh, mm -hmm. of, of dry hop and that might help that file character to pop a bit more so the and, the thought is that either the files are binding to the green matter or the uh intensity of the hop expression is masking the thiols uh, that have been released by the yeast does that sum it up either one of you uh, yeah up? i think uh, that's exactly what what you guys are saying is is it seems like there's a com i will also add too in in that I've heard uh, there was a really good podcast with Laura um, and she was mentioning that they noticed with T90 in the Whirlpool, they had a big reduction in thiols. Mm -hmm. So there's some interesting, um, you know, almost empirical evidence that, you know, if you use some of those fancier products like um, Salvo or, or cryo or, or, or incognito, Spectrum, yeah. incognito yeah. and you try to minimize green matter in the Whirlpool. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a there's interesting um, re, uh, ex, you know data. Anything else to uh, on the subject of thialized yeast? One thing I, I would just talk about sulfur real quick. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sulfur uh, is one of those things that can pop off, and, and I do believe. And Michael and you may both have a better idea than me, but are, are these thiol side compounds? Uh, I believe they are sulfur related. Correct? Yeah, thiol is like an alcohol, but instead of oxygen, it's a sulfur. I don't think that they're really, you know, next to those, um, the, the same 
hyd- like a sulfide that produce like cabbage or vegetable or you know, okay. they're they're not going to be in that same neighborhood. Sure. I, I haven't had a ton of issue with sulfur, but you will see some stuff on forums, uh, some people posting and saying that they're getting, you know, heavily sulfur, sulfury beers out of this. Obviously, you want to be doing everything you can as far as, you know, yeast management, yeast health, appropriate pitching rates, everything like that. But um, they do say that sometimes these beers will kick extra sulfur. And and one of the keys with them is giving them, um, if, if you do run into that, uh, a healthy conditioning period, um, they'll say, you know, you don't have to necessarily think about conditioning as far as like a full-on lagering like you would for a traditional German pills or something like that. But making sure that that beer has enough time to take care of that sulfur is something that that might be uh, a bit of something to to look out for on the back end of these fermentations. Well, there you go. Very interesting subject. I appreciate you guys uh, participating and uh, revealing key things about thialized yeast. Uh, thank you to our sponsor, Blickman Engineering, paying for the show so you don't have to. If you enjoy the show, make sure you send him a nice email at feedback at Blickman Engineering. His name is John Blickman, the owner of the company. Uh, he's been supporting, uh, you know, home brewers and uh, pro brewers for a long time. So just tell him thank you. That's the least you can do. If you enjoyed this this uh, hour of programming. Uh, until then, everybody, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. <laughs>